Welcome to Probably Science. My name is Andy Wood. I'm Matt Kirshen. And I'm Jesse Case. Oh, sl- getting slicker by the day. Man. We're really, I feel like by episode, like, 1000, we're going to nail it. Like, I think so. I think smooth, so. Yeah. Um, and, and also, like, we're getting more and more remote. We used to record in the same physical location, and then we moved online uh, during the whole last couple of years. And I and figure now, by, like, five Matt's or six years sp- time... Yeah, one of us will be in space. I think we'll all record just our podcast separately, just our ideas of what the other person might say, and then we'll just kind of like layer it and see if it see if it syncs up. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. We'll. Um, in fact, I mean, they don't know that that's what we're doing right now. So I hope that Matt just said what I think he said. Uh, we haven't <laughs> we haven't spoken for two years. Real, it's a real Beatles situation. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're uh, like there's a big issue right now where like um, Andy and I are really reluctant to put any of Jesse's opinions on the air. Yeah, yeah, and uh, since Jesse keeps coming to us with words, and we're like, nah, ah, ah. Mm-hmm. you wait till you're doing a solo podcast, which you are, by the way. Jesse versus Cancer still going on. Sure, sure. Yep. I hope that Matt just plugged Jesse versus Cancer because I'm going to say <laughs> sure right there. Well, so it's a bit awkward recording this one without a guest, guys. Well, uh, Jesse, that's where you're wrong because we do what? have a guest. What are you talking? Yeah, about? a good a good friend of mine, originally from Ireland, now living in the U.S. and about to do a whole U.S. tour. It's oh, wow. Mr. Dave Nyhill. Hey, Dave. Hello. How's it going? Uh, going great. Thanks for joining us. Are you, are you a Dave or a David professionally? I. Yeah, it's and you know that's the downside of being dyslexic because I keep putting different versions of that on posters and momentarily I was an Indian man called Davdi involuntarily <laughs> at one stage. So I really need to pick one and lock down the spelling of it and I haven't got the hang of that yet. So I'm my, pretty I, fluid. My uh, Uber account thinks I'm called Mart and I haven't worked out how to change it. <laughs> so if I if I get an Uber, they like they pull up and it's like uh, Mart, and I have to be like, yes, yes, that is my name. <laughs> my 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 prescriptions. When I go pick up prescriptions, it's Jessica. <laughs> like it's, I'm serious on all my pill bottles. I don't know why. I, I think they when the doctor called call stuff in, you know, they're like it's Jesse Case. And then the pharmacist just assumed it was a nickname, and um, I I have all these pills for Jessica Case and. Uh, that don't make any sense for a, a lady to have, frankly. Um, I, <laughs> I love the way you let on there that you haven't taken them all, because that would be very un-American of you to have extra. I'm pills. on all of them right now. Right now, I'm uh, <laughs> taking all of them. Um, don't know what's happening. Well, that's, uh, that's very, so it's Dave, professionally. We'll assume it's Dave. I honestly genuinely have not gotten to the bottom of that very low-level question uh, and answer to either of them quite happily. Oh, wait, well, well, well hold, da- I just gave it a Google, and it is pretty funny how they both pop up. It's uh, it, The first thing is, is uh, David, Niall, and then um, immediately into a Dave. Yeah, it's all over the map there. You, you, within minutes, you'll be into nihilism, and then you're down a whole different rabbit hole that probably yep. <laughs> science would either support or strongly eject, depending on it. Yet, you know, the I intentionally did that, sadly. Uh, when I started comedy, I didn't want anyone to actually know I was doing stand-up. So I had a whole fake website and page, and even at one stage, fake Twitter followers in Pakistan, which were surprisingly easy to come by back in the pre-Elon Musk <laughs> uh, genuine understanding of technologies days. And strangely enough, Google is very poor at indexing things if you change one or two letters in your name. So for nine years, nobody really knew I was doing comedy simply because my name was Dave and they knew me as David. Uh, mm. and, uh, Everyone knows my name. Uh, people still don't know I do, I'm doing comedy, and they, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, most people, but most true. of the audience doesn't know I'm doing comedy. Uh, well, there the nights you tell them your name's Jessica, and you have some drugs for them if it doesn't yep. work out for them. Yeah, I hand out, I hand out drugs, and, uh, <laughs> and they're like that very homely lady is. <laughs> Are you still huge in Karachi? Am I still huge in Karachi? No, I have. It's been waning ever since I refused to pay for the blue check mark on a mildly imaginary account that realistically isn't mine anyway. So that's topical and yet diminishing, which sounds like Twitter in a nutshell. I do. I do respect the the desire to stay 
to not have to tell everyone you're doing comedy until you've put enough time to get kind of good at it, which I think is the opposite of the current paradigm where the first time you get on stage, you post that oh, entire God. set online. You're like, no, Ever, no, no, I no, see no. that so often. People putting that like, hey, this is my third open mic. And I, hey, what do you think? <laughs> it's like, I think you should not put that on the internet. <laughs> I think you should keep that. Uh, literally the first, I'd say easily the first five years of my doing comedy, um, if if any of that was online, I would never work again. <laughs> like I would never uh, yeah. know. There are, never... there are a few VHS tapes from some of my early gigs in Britain that are in my parents' attic and will stay there. Uh, and like I'm reliant on both my parents' attic being relatively inaccessible and no one having a VHS player anymore to keep yeah, that I... firmly away from public I wish I terrifying. had that level of uh, I wish I had that level of foresight but I just early on I got tagged in a poster that was a show called Estrogen Entree with a side of balls and it was all <laughs> women and one man and I was that side of balls and you I was were the like, side of balls I, yeah I was and I was like I'd need to stop this happening uh, how do I do it let's give him something to tag me in that I don't care about so anymore does, so does that still pop up in your Google image searches it like, does. It actually how, far, how many up. pages deep do you have to go before Cyberpunk <laughs> comes up? I think. I think anything you Google, yeah, anything you Google, <laughs> you'll find it. Uh, You're always good. I would say you have to go balls deep, but that part is going to have to be edited out for sheer sadness. <laughs> is that even a play on? Is that even a play on a common turn of phrase from a different country that I don't know? Like what? Side of side balls. Of balls. <laughs> like I don't even get. <laughs> I, it's something that's supposed I, to be a, a, a twist on a commonly said thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, no, it's, I it's I just a food thing, right? A side of something. But like, it, it's, but it, it was. It's, it was all ladies and one dude, and I was not skilled enough at comedy or smart enough to dodge that one. So I was totally <laughs> delighted to be asked on the show. And they're the decisions <laughs> in hindsight that you wish people told you to do differently. And the internet <laughs> will remind you about, depending on whether you call yourself Dave or David. So it kind of worked out. I the the theme the amount of weird theme shows you do early on there was there was a show at um this is horrible there was a show at Hollywood Hotel and I was maybe 24 or something and the deal is here here's the theme of the show right is you go up and you do a set and then you go uh, at the bar and you get blackout drunk and then do another set while you're blacked out like while the other comic it's like a rolling blackout oh i've heard i never did that show i heard of it there was there was another version of it with weed as well i think so i did the, I did exactly the, show, the same but rules i did the show but i didn't drink i didn't i was uh, so i had to just fake like i was drunk my, for my second <laughs> set i just pretended and uh it was like even the other drunk people knew i wasn't drunk like it was uh i really i, I really have, the i've done the integrity of the show of the was I've done several of those shows, but uh, they've always been on St. Patrick's Day, and it's never really been an official theme. It was just implied <laughs> that that's the condition I right. was going to be in. In fact, everyone's mad you're doing a second set. It's during someone else's set. Why Why is he back up there? <laughs> yeah, he's just... <laughs> I, I and he's not I telling jokes, he's just kind of doing a dance. <laughs> I, I was genuinely just... I, I did this, actually. I gave up beer for about a month, and then Ireland were playing in rugby, and this was before we were, like, a world superpower all of a sudden, and we were playing England, and it was St. Patrick's Day, so I said, this is a good day to get back on the beer, uh, forgetting that I was booked for two comedy shows that night on St. Patrick's Day. And I'd had 19 beers a mix of all sorts of stuff by the first show and kind of held it together i recorded this i listened back and i was like that was amazing i don't even know how those words were coming out but i squeezed in a cheeky four or five beers between the two shows and that was definitely malcolm gladwell's tipping point because i listened back to that second <laughs> show and it was just me shouting abuse at people there wasn't a single punchline in there for 40 minutes and i was like right 40 then, minutes. doing that again i did 40 minutes and set. none of it made sense yeah, it, well, it was meant to be a full set, but it wasn't. It was just me shouting a collection of words that could even be in another language because I don't know what the, I was trying to say. I've, I've, I'm sober now for, for uh, quite a few years now, but I, I've, there's about a, a month of my life I don't remember. And a bunch of comedians just don't uh, talk to me anymore. And I remember, and I, I, uh, but I look back and I see that I did all these shows. I assume I went to them. Um, horrible. I, I have no idea what happened. I'm still I'm still trying to track down uh, what I said during those sets. Um, <laughs> I mean, I assume it was great. You know, obviously sure. it, was, it was probably brilliant. Um, yeah, how could it have been wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of 
<laughs> I mean, like the first rule of stand-up is confidence, and how could he be more confident than when you are blackout drunk? <laughs> right, right, yeah. I don't even have um, like funny drunk stories. Like I didn't know we were supposed to remember stuff, so like I don't. <laughs> I just all my drunk stories are like I uh, I I had a beer and then it was a week later, and uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That seems like it would be the ultimate AA share to just be like, uh, my name's Andy, I'm alcoholic, and I can't really tell you anything else. Right. Uh, I was really good at it. They're like, yeah, could that's... you go deeper? Could you go deeper nah. into what happened to you? And you're like, no, no, I can't. No, I, no, I can't. I, uh, I've got nothing. <laughs> I've got absolutely nothing. I, um, I live in fear of finding out those things. <laughs> I got nothing. Um, well. Well, very cool. So tell us about this upcoming tour, Dave, or Id, David. Dave and David. Yeah, I got a bit carried away and just started booking shows, and it, it snowballed a bit, and then somebody came along and was like, let me, well, let me help you book some more. And then I realized I don't think I have any way of getting, actually, from half of these destinations to the other ones. And the sheer excitement of just going, oh, I'll add that. I'm like, well, I did not know where Boise, Idaho was when I booked that, and I probably should have known. So my bad. But yeah, I got a bit carried away. I think I'm doing like 40, 47 cities or something uh, oh, so far. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I keep seeing your website. Every time I see that like, you post something, there's more dates. There's more. Yeah, it's I got ridiculous. carried away. I might be dead at this time next year. Well, I just figured you know, anywhere in the US. Life. I'm not going to. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm going. I'm going everywhere. Um. Yeah, it, it's probably going to be a terrible idea, hindsight. Uh, I saw that you share a distinction with a friend of the show and multiple-time guest, Augie Smith, in that you were also a winner of the prestigious San Francisco comedy competition. Yeah, well, Am I correct he's, in he's that? Fent- or is the it- yeah, that should be – that's probably a typo. I don't know if I went for Dave or Dave went down one answer to either, but it is on there in some pretty prestigious company. But, yeah, he's he's really, really funny. What year? I was just curious. I also, I, or actually, no, I did the Seattle one. But what year were you in it? Uh, I did it fairly recently, like 2018. But I think it burned such a, a hole in the memories of people because even though the the quality of it has has definitely gone down over the hill the years over the years, the the process is the exact same. So you probably remember <laughs> it well. Like you're not sleeping, you're questioning everything you've ever said, and you're driving four hours to the middle of nowhere every single night. Uh, for very yeah, the gigs aren't just in San Francisco. They're in every, they're in a bunch yeah, of satellite and, towns and within. Everything is scored. It's just something that shouldn't be scored. Like it's the equivalent <laughs> of losing your virginity, and someone pops up at the end of the bed holding a, a board, like in the Olympics for diving, <laughs> and they're like four point two for effort, and you're like, God damn it, why are we scoring me? I'm figured this out yet. That's why I'm doing this thing in the first place. Um, so yeah, it's... I was lucky enough to win it, but it, and it's still horrible. It's a bizarre experience. I mean, I, I've only done the Seattle one, but I th- like you said, it's similar format in terms of these ridiculous drives to the middle of nowhere. Like, you're calling this Seattle. Um, but also just like, I was so, I am not cut out for that. And I was so frustrated with how it was going. One of the years, uh, I think I did it two years. And one of the years I, I was so far behind that like, for the last couple nights, I just brought out a guitar and just was like, fuck it, I'm doing the Zach Galifianakis or Nick Thune thing to see if any gimmick would possibly work. I'll just strum some chords. And like the scores went up. And I'm like, yeah, he won. This feels he, won. Awful. he, he, he came back from behind. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. I, there was a dude at our year that had a toaster and he just came out and smacked it and went, burnt toast. And he won. And I was like, God damn it. All I've been missing is a toaster these years. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that was his catchphrase? As burnt toast, or how did that work? Yeah, yeah. It, well, it started off as toast, but as the song ratcheted up a few degrees, it became burnt toast, and then it became French toast. At what stage? I mean, there's so many toast-orientated puns you can come up with, but he had it dialed down, and it's already a really viral bit and song with like millions and millions of views. He's an old guy, really nice. He looked like Gandalf with a toaster. Uh, and if it was a small, <laughs> if it was a small venue, people are like, "What the." Am I witnessing right here? And if it was a big venue, he was an absolute legend in his own underpants and won by a mile. And we're like, God damn it, we got to steal the toaster or break it or something. We need to take toast out of this equation. Frantically, frantically toaster shopping every morning before the next show. Yeah, we we yeah. can't compete with these appliances. <laughs> yeah, we did joke that I'd bring out a microwave one night in the stage and just start kicking it out of frustration. And I was like, I don't want to be mean, <laughs> but I did want to do jobs. it for the laugh. <laughs> these appliances. Yeah. 
It was really good, though. It's a strangely catchly song. Okay. Um, so, Dave, wow. we, we, we like to ask our guests before we get into the stories, what, if anything, is your background in science? And that has ranged from classes you liked or hated as a kid to blowing stuff up in the woods with your friends to whatever. <laughs> uh, do you know, I like science. And then one day there was we were doing an experiment where I had something to do with conducting general electricity through two aluminum, as Americans would say, cans, and they had some form of insulation on them, and we were only meant to have one of these cans on our table, and I had two on mine. I don't know where the other one came from, and for some reason, this angered the life out of this teacher, who said, I cannot believe you have two of these cans on your table, and threw me out of science, and would never let me back in again, ever. So, that's where my science ended at the age of 15, and that was it. He genuinely wouldn't teach me science anymore because I had two fluffy tins on my table and I don't know why that was bad or where I got the actual one from and that was a very premature end to my scientific education where I feel could limit me in this podcast I, I don't think it will limit you in any way but that is we, we've heard multiple stories of students not getting on with their teachers and we've heard I've heard in the years we've been doing this podcast, what I thought was every flavor of clashes between science teachers and a, and a, and a pupil, but that's a first. Just yeah. one extra. Well, too many well, it's hard for me to explain to the parents. They're like, why aren't you doing science? I'm like, I really don't know. It's something about a fluffy aluminum can, and I did something <laughs> bad. It was clear to me why I wasn't allowed in art class, because we took a rolling pin, pretended it was a penis's, and did ask the teacher to come over and inspect our work at one stage, and they wrote a letter home, and they're like, your son shouldn't be doing this, and that was clear. That was a cut-and-dried case that I should not be allowed back into art class, but science was up in the air. I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't do anything wrong with those fluffy, insulated tins. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Guys, I have a bit of science news that I oh I have to like temper myself so I don't get too excited about. Is this, this your latest obsession? It's my obsession, and like, listen, I've been proven wrong many times in this podcast before. I remember fall of 2016 being like, "Can everyone just slow your roll about Trump? There's no, there's no concern. There's no chance he's going to win." Which I was reminded of recently. A listener wrote it. Yes, very wrong. I could be very wrong about this, but uh, are you guys familiar with Chat GPT? I'm not. No, no. I will drop a link right here. But just okay. two weeks ago, OpenAI, the same people behind um, Dolly, the image generator, which we were obsessed with a few weeks ago. Okay. They just dropped this. Uh, I don't want to call it super intelligent. It's not like it's anywhere near general intelligence, like in terms of the AI definition, but astoundingly capable chatbot that you can ask anything and i only le learned last night you can ask it to code something in any programming language and then i found out you can ask it to write a guitar tablature of, of a solo you can write songs you can ask it any kind of question you can possibly think of in natural language and it will give you very often a very good summary in whatever context you want of what you're asking for or something creative i had it i was up last night having it write twilight zone episodes that were pretty good Onion articles that were funnier than some recent Onion articles I've seen. Uh, I just a few hours ago decided to start typing in, uh, asking it to write jokes in the style of different comedians. <laughs> and I had a, like a pretty, this is a pretty decent Larry the Cable Guy joke, I believe. Um, <laughs> let me load it up real quick. As, as I said, write a, write a Larry the Cable Guy joke. Um, write, write a joke in the style of Larry the Cable Guy about gravitational lensing. And it said, why is it still loading? I have this on. Here's a joke in the style of Larry the Cable Guy about gravitational lensing. I don't know much about gravitational lensing, but I do know that it's the kind of thing that'll make you see stars. And I ain't talking about the kind you see in the sky. I'm talking about the kind you see when you get hit in the head. That stuff's crazy, I tell you what. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not, not bad. bad. You, you better keep chatbot. you better keep this advanced technology away from my toaster playing friend because I'm pretty yeah sure <laughs> this old straight song. yeah this is gonna win an AI what's the first AI to win a comedy competition it's gonna happen very soon <laughs> I mean wrap me are... a little ditty about microwaves and you're like whoa he wiped the floor with us <laughs> well I mean you can literally say write a song about microwaves and ask it to give you chords and uh, yes it does all like we're kidding but this is 
I think this is going to be on par with the change that it made to all of our lives that the smartphone or social media did. Like all the articles now are either about how the high school and college essay is dead, which it kind of is because you can ask it to write an essay and it will turn on something that's very passable, like the, on any topic. So right. that is going to change education forever. But that's like the most minor. But all the articles are about that or about how it's sometimes wrong. I'm like, yeah, but it's getting better every day. And even though it's like 5% of the time it's wrong, this is like a, a buggy whip salesman complaining that uh, cars are a joke because they sometimes get flat tires. Like, no, no, no. this changes everything. Yeah, I agree that AI changes everything. No, and- even this, which is not quite AI, but like, if, 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 a, if a listener, if you aren't wowed by this, you haven't played around with it. Like anybody who puts in any time on that link I just posted, and and this also uh, someone was just posting a thing about how long it took various platforms to reach a million users. You know, like MySpace, it took like a year. Facebook took six months. Uh, Instagram took two and a half months. This reached a million users in five days, and it's getting wow. smarter every day. It, it's it's just a and, and I actually just emailed a an artificial intelligence expert about coming on to talk about this. And this person said, oh, I haven't really looked into it much, but someone just sent me this, and he sent this um, screen cap of like things he had typed in that it got totally wrong. And it was like eight questions, and I typed them all in, and now seven of those eight are not only correct, but are full of extra information pertaining to those questions. Like it's So I think even that person, I was like, you should go back and look at it more, because this is really... And like I know we're saying this on the day that we might have some nuclear fusion news coming that everyone thinks could be the biggest thing. I'm just putting a pin in this now and we will have an AI expert later, but I think this is a, an inflection point. This is a a true disruption of everything. Like the quality of the writing is, it's only going to get better. It just, it it puts, it's a possible dystopian thing, but it's also a possible, you know, utopia. It's, it's just, it's exciting in a value neutral way in a way that nothing else I've seen recently is. So uh, I just want to like plant that flag now and say, go play around with it. Although their servers are overheating from all the use, like it keeps going down because everyone in the world is blown away by this. And there are forums you can look at that show like interesting uses for it. Um, Cause you can ask it to then suddenly take on a persona of some other kind of person to then have a conversation with you. Like, the script writing stuff is amazing. You can have it write a Seinfeld scene about something or, yeah, like I said, a Twilight Zone movie. Uh, it can, um, it can write definitely you, like, write a, a recipe. Song. It can write a pitbull song. It can write a recipe based on whatever uh, ingredients you have in the refrigerator. It can write you uh, a workout. Um, just all these things that, like, and you pair that with the image creation of Dolly and it's just, yeah, I, I was going to like, cite a story but so many of the stories I'm looking at are like missing the big picture on this that there isn't one that I would be like here's our next science article about chat GPT like it's only been two weeks and it's changing I don't know but you guys haven't played around with it yet so there's not a lot to say about it except go well, check it out I'm, if, I'm if on it right now and I'm I'm checking it um, yeah I mean type in a question but you know if I had time I would read you some of the um, Black Mirror and Twilight Zone scripts that wrote for me or the Onion article that was, I think I sent it to Matt. That was surprisingly good. Or the capability um, is wild, isn't it? I I met a lady in in San Francisco really... maybe five years ago, and she was behind one of the original AI chatbots, and the whole thing came from basically her her um, partner dying young, and her wanting to continue communicating with him via text message, and her whole motivation for writing everything she created was to take an amalgamation of all the conversations they've ever had and teach the chatbot basically to answer back in his tone and in vo- voice and as he would have written something before and I just remember thinking well that's cool and mildly creepy but one of the facts she spouted out at the, the event I thought was amazing that 60% of male users tend to hit on chatbots with a female name so they oh, just I'm sure. don't differentiate <laughs> whatsoever and they're quite happy trying to be flirtatious even though they know it's a chatbot and I was like once I saw that this this <laughs> this could go everywhere mm. I but just what, typed in yeah you could also like you said any, any kind of style so I just said write a poem about stand-up comedy in the style of Maya Angelou and it says stand-up Jesus. comedy oh how you shine a beacon of light in a world that's unkind with a microphone and a stage you take flight Spreading laughter and joy with all your might. Mm. 
It's interesting that you can, I mean, I can tell what it's pulling. So I did a, like a, do a wedding speech in the style of Larry David. Oh, like do a Larry David wedding speech, but it's not good. But I can see that it knows it's, it's, it's clearly searched like, um, so it's good evening, everyone. I'm Larry David and I have the honor of giving a speech at this beautiful wedding. Uh, it's not every day that two people find each other and decide to spend the rest of their lives together. I met the groom a few years ago, and I have to say I was impressed by his sharp wit and quick quick thinking. He's a real stand-up guy. So I can tell it's like pulling in comedy words, you know. Um, It's just not like in the voice yet. Very interesting. But some of them, yeah, like I I was doing like asking it to write jokes in the style of various people on Twitter. Let me see if it does a good one if I just do this. Uh, Nope, that's not very good. Yeah, I was pleased to see that jokes are one of the things that it's really not got the hang of yet. I mean, I think that Larry the Cable Guy one is like pretty good because it knew that it had the double meaning of stars and that gra- gravitational lensing and, and then ending it. And I tell you what is like um, if this thing is good. only getting traction at the moment and it's able to nail comedy already. We should all be fairly ashamed. All right, guys, a uh, hot little AI, some hot AI hip-hop verse for you. I'm going to spit okay. some hot fire. <laughs> I am Optimus Prime, defender of the light. I'll protect this planet with all my might. I'll never back down. I'll never retreat. I'm the guardian of peace and justice. I can't be beat. So there's a little Optimus Prime rapping for you. Okay. Yeah. What did you type in to generate that? Rap in the style of Optimus Prime. Very specific. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Could you could I, you I, add like Optimus Prime meets Eminem? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because that was more of like generic rapping. That wasn't like how Optimus Prime raps. Whoa. Okay, <laughs> I, I I do have to read what it wrote. I go I go Optimus Prime versus Eminem. Okay, that's what I wrote, yeah. and it comes back with. Um, it's impossible to care uh, to compare Optimus Prime and Eminem because they're completely different characters. Optimus Prime is a fictional character and the leader of the Autobots in the Transformers franchise, while Eminem is a real-life rapper and musician. Optimus Prime is known for his bravery, leadership, and strength in battle. He's a powerful Transformer who uses his Energon sword and blaster <laughs> to fight against the Decepticons to protect Earth. On the other hand, Eminem is known for his controversial and often provocative lyrics, as well as his impressive flow and technical prowess as a rapper. While both Optimus Prime and Eminem may have their own strengths and abilities, it's not fair to compare them because they come from completely different worlds. <laughs> Wood grew up in a trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He okay. does make a very good point about the difference between Optimus Prime and Eminem. It does. I feel like if if I was asked to if I was asked to write an essay on some of those differences. Um, well, that is very fun. Yeah, you, you can't fault it. I can't fault any of that reasoning, to be honest. Now, what's this you were saying earlier, as far as uh, probably science stuff goes, uh, about this big fusion news? What's happening? Oh, well, actually, I think the announcement's coming tomorrow, but I guess ah, well, we never might mind. as well... Never mind. Yes, I, I, no, I was trying to segue us into a story thing. But no, I, uh... yes. I th- let's, let's do that. Let's, I'll, I'll post a link to... Um, we can do... What's the most recent one? A story from two hours ago here courtesy of CNN about this. Let me drop it in so you guys can look at it as we discuss. But um, yeah, U.S. scientists reach long-awaited nuclear fusion breakthrough, source says. Hopefully the source is not ChatGPT. Uh, but for, for the first time ever, U.S. scientists at the National Ignition Facility at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California successfully produced a nuclear fusion reaction resulting in a net energy gain, a source familiar with the project confirmed to CNN. They're expected to officially announce the breakthrough Tuesday, so it's probably as this is going up. But um, the result of the experiment will be a massive step in decades-long quest to unleash an infinite source of clean energy that could help end dependence on fossil fuels. Still, I think the chat's bigger. But okay, uh, researchers for decades have attempted to recreate nuclear fusion, replicating the fusion that powers the sun. U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm will make an announcement Tuesday on a major scientific breakthrough. It was first reported in the Financial Times, interestingly enough. Uh, fusion happens when two or more atoms are fused into one larger one, a process that generates a massive amount of energy as heat. Unlike nuclear fission that powers electricity all over the world, it doesn't generate long-lived radioactive waste. Mm-hmm. So they've been inching towards this breakthrough using different methods to try to achieve the same goal. Uh, the National Ignition Facility Project creates energy from nuclear fusion by what's known as thermonuclear inertial fusion. In practice, U.S. scientists fire pellets that contain a hydrogen fuel into an array of nearly 200 lasers, essentially creating a series of extremely fast, repeated explosions at the rate of 50 times per second. 
The energy collected from the neutrons and alpha particles is extracted as heat, and that heat holds the key to producing energy. Uh, they contain the fusion reaction by bombarding the outside with lasers, said Tony Rolston, a fusion expert from University of Cambridge. They're giving away their secrets, like any of <laughs> yeah, us could do it now, if they're like, telling us. I've got, can't just... I've got like a laser right now. Like I've got one in my drawer that the cat chases. It's... Well, the real, the real issue here is that you have to do it with two fluffy cans. You, you can't do, that rules yeah. me out. So I'm gone for hands. intellectual reasons and just a sheer lack of raw materials. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, up until now, the you know the return on energy investment hasn't been quite high enough. But right. um, so, let's, yeah, so even though the net energy gain from nuclear fusion is a big deal, it's happening on a much smaller scale than what's needed to power electric grids and heat buildings. It's about what it takes to boil 10 kettles of water, said Jeremy Chittenden, co-director of the Center for Inertial Fusion Studies at Imperial College in London. In order to turn that into a power station, we need to make a larger gain in energy. We need to be, it needs to be substantially more. Uh, in the UK, scientists are working with a huge donut-shaped machine outfitted with giant magnets called a tokamak to try to generate the same result. Um, so yeah, when you fuse, the missing mass converts into an enormous amount of energy. We did an episode specifically about this. Uh, about if, that if anyone, one? Yeah. If, if, the tokamak? If is that what it's called? Is that what the... I thought that was a generic term for that shaped device. I forgot. All I, know, all I, mean, I heard I was huge donut, and I was like, gonna, <laughs> Americans are going to be rushing to the UK again. <laughs> There's a giant donut over there. We need to get in on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. saying last year, scientists at Oxford were able to generate a record-breaking amount of energy, but it only lasted five seconds. I thought we'd had a story recently with longer than five seconds. We did. That was in yeah. uh, South Korea. Okay. Um where they did that so it's it's obvious this has been i mean maybe it's just been in the news more i don't know but it's obvious we're trending towards making this work right but i mean i still i was talking to matt earlier like I, it's doubtful the announcement tomorrow is that it literally produced more energy than everything that went into right if we cross if we cross that line then we're we're already good and i i don't think we're quite there. we'll we'll hear tomorrow i guess but i mean yeah, whatever whatever the progress is, it's great because if we can get across that threshold, eventually it does solve a ton of things. But that's only if we haven't destroyed ourselves with uh, chatbots before then. But sure, yeah, very exciting stuff. I hope we can yeah. figure that out. Obviously, <clears throat> there we go. Like, um, search wasn't giving me the episode number at first, but I have found it. It's uh, episode three hundred and sixty nine. That's the one we did with uh, Damian King, who works on the. Jet, which is the Joint European Taurus project. Oh, well, yeah. I guess after tomorrow, we should see about having someone else back on to go into more depth, if that's at all possible. But um, it'd be easy to yeah. get someone with more depth than me on this topic. <laughs> that's not what we're implying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is um, it's it's a clean source of energy that would solve an untold number of of world ills. So. Here's hoping. But wow. yeah, I, I think like one of the articles I saw, I think it did say something like right now it still isn't giving out more energy than it uh, is taking in because the lasers themselves have an inefficiency. So, oh, you don't just mean that the lasers require a lot of power, but that that power isn't even being converted into the laser light efficiently enough to That yeah, that that I think that's exactly it. I I could be wrong about that. Correct us if I'm wrong, please listeners, but um I think the deal was like yes, the light from the energy from the lasers is less than the energy of fusion that's coming out, but you're still actually putting in more energy to make the lasers happen. So it still isn't producing a net. Okay. Hey, you guys. Of energy. You guys want to spice things up with a um, a uh, an AI generated horror scene about Ariel having legs? Yes. Okay. Please, let's intersperse these throughout the rest of the episode. So, guys, I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, <clears throat> guys, I don't know if you knew this, but um, Ariel had always been content with her life as a mermaid, living in the depths of the ocean with her family and friends. But one day she made a deal with the sea witch to trade her beautiful voice for a pair of human legs. As she sat on the shore, looking at her newly acquired appendages, Ariel couldn't help but feel a sense of unease. She tried to stand up, but her legs felt clumsy and awkward, unused to the weight of her body. 
Suddenly, a sharp pain shot through Ariel's legs, causing her to cry out in agony. She looked down to see that her skin was beginning to tear and peel away, revealing bloody muscle and bone beneath. Jesus! Ariel realized with horror that her legs were not meant to be a part of her body. They were rotting away, and there was nothing she could do to stop them. <laughs> Panicked, she tried to crawl back into the sea, but her legs gave out underneath her. As she lay on the shore, unable to move, she could feel the sea witch's laughter echoing in her mind, mocking her foolishness. Ariel knew that she was doomed to suffer a slow and painful death on the shore, all because she'd wanted something that was never meant for her. <laughs> Dude, if you weren't impressed by that, I, I don't know what to say. Seriously, though, right? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I asked it to write a news story about a police raid in a retirement home that was operating as a front for a cockfighting ring. Sure. And it said... Uh, <laughs> good, good for you just to have that ready to go. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it's always uh, <laughs> cock rings on the mind. Yeah. Uh, residents at the Sunny Meadows Retirement Home in rural Indiana were shocked to find their peaceful community turned upside down yesterday as police officers stormed the premises and uncovered a hidden cockfighting ring. According to investigators, the retirement home had been operating as a front for the illegal operation with the elderly residents unknowingly living amongst the fighting birds. Uh, officers were alerted to the situation after receiving a tip from a concerned neighbor and they arrived at the scene to find dozens of roosters and hundreds of dollars in gambling money. The owner of the retirement home, Mr. Harold Thompson, was arrested and charged with animal cruelty and operating an illegal gambling ring. The roosters were seized and taken to a local animal shelter where they're being cared for and treated for their injuries. The residents of Sunny Meadows were shocked by the revelation, with many of them expressing disbelief that such a thing could happen in their community. I had no idea, said Mrs. Betty Johnson, a longtime resident of the retirement home. I thought we were just living out our golden years in peace. Uh, the authorities are currently working on finding new homes for the residents of Sunny Meadows as the retirement home has been shut down. The investigation into the cockfighting ring is ongoing and more arrests are expected. So we'll keep you updated on, on that, listeners. Mm-hmm. That fictional. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, oh, wait, that was fictional? Syn- <laughs> syntactically, all this stuff is, I don't know. If it doesn't uh, excite everyone else, I have to just shut I, up, I guess. But um, I think it, it could be potentially pulling all this content from just Florida newspaper stories. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> She just happened to... Uh... Well, so here's here's what I put out there, and this is a bit embarrassing. Here's what I just typed in. Um, uh, write funny banter for a four-person science podcast. <laughs> okay? Oh, my God. Seriously. And it's, nice. it's like, better than us. Like, it's, like, way better. <laughs> uh, so it's, uh, person one, welcome to the Science Squad podcast, where we make science funny, or at least try to. Uh that's right. We may not be the smartest scientists out there, but we're definitely the funniest. Don't believe us? Just listen to our last episode where we tried to explain quantum mechanics using only emojis. Uh, and then it's like it gets like and then and then uh, spoiler alert. It was a total poop emoji show, like a shit show. Oh, okay. you know, it's like kind of funny. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Except it hasn't realized that like emojis out loud don't really work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of puns, did you hear the one about the scientist who invented a time machine? Uh, he he called it a chronological error. Okay. Cron? Wait. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. Oh. I don't know. It needs work. It's AI. Yeah. It needs work. But I. I if the thing is, my point is, guys, if we could do this and then generate it with some AI voices, we can just quit doing this. You know what oh, I'm saying? Totally. Just let yeah. the let the ten dollars a month roll in, baby. You know, like we <laughs> could just not a bad... or whatever it is that we. <laughs> or I kind of like the idea of maybe like once an episode, there's a, a, we do a story and don't mention that it was generated by this, and then oh see, okay, see a little three three the... truths and a lie or something. Yeah, very interesting. So what know. else has been uh, going on in the um, in the world, you guys? A big old rocket has just splashed down after going to the moon. No. You talking some Artemis? Is this some Artemis yeah. talk? Yeah, I think I think we can talk. Should we do the new scientist version of this story? The <laughs> sure. Orion capsule splashed down off the coast of California uh, just, just about half a day ago, completing the Artemis 1 mission and setting the stage for NASA astronauts to return to the moon. It's, uh, there's, a, there's a little video of it splashing down with three... Um, Three whole parachutes there. Very yeah, that parachute like, heavy. Somehow this video looks like it's from, it's like Apollo era footage. Like they've added sepia to that video or something. It, <laughs> it looks look like it was like shot in 69. Grainy film stock, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh. It was, 
So NASA's Artemis 1 mission is complete. On 11th of December, the Orion capsule splashed down in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of California, completing its 26-day journey to the moon and back. You know, I haven't seen any of the footage. Presumably it took footage as it went around the moon, and I, I haven't seen any of it. Is that... Well, since Kubrick died, I mean, they're not going to be able to... They, yeah, just, they put all the money into this fancy parachute-looking thing, which uh, <laughs> yes. I am extremely yeah. worried now that my cookies that I've left from this podcast because if I start getting ads for the new scientist I'm going to be freaked out I'm going to be getting flashbacks <laughs> to when I was 15 years old but surely they could have a better looking <laughs> video this one looks like I made it yeah that, <laughs> it is, a, that is a shit video where was it taken from do we know what the video was taken from I guess from California at a distance or from from the boat the capsule was lofted to space atop the colossal space launch system rocket the SLS in its first launch on 16th of November. It was a momentous occasion. They faced years of delay, massive budget overruns, and a barrage of last-minute technical issues before they managed to launch, but the landing is just as momentous. Its journey back to Earth was unlike it, those of other spacecraft. It began when the craft hurtled into the atmosphere at a speed of more than 32,000 kilometers per hour, bringing its heat shield to temperatures of around 2660, 26, like 2760 Celsius, which is around 5,000 Fahrenheit. Damn. I'm going to say that originally they quoted it in Fahrenheit and New Scientist has converted it because 5,000 <laughs> is a conveniently round <laughs> number. Round number yeah. And 2670 is a not particularly round number. Uh, but instead of continuing to plunge towards... Uh, yeah, he was approximately 163 centimeters tall. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it, instead of continuing to plunge towards the sea, it performed what engineers call a skip entry because of its similarity to a stone skipped across a pond. Once it reached an altitude of around 61 kilometers, it flipped upside down to quickly change its center of gravity, popping it back upwards by about 30 kilometers, nearly all the way back into space before making its final descent. That's so one hell of a stone skipping. Yeah. It is. It is, but only the, uh, it seems like only the one skipped, though, and when I've skipped stones, like I've managed like good five or six before just it Just one, sinks. and then it just disappears into space again, and you're like, wow, I possess <laughs> yeah, an just... unnervingly strong strength. <laughs> the, uh, so it's threefold reason for this. It allowed operators to target the landing site more precisely. It lowered the strain on the heat shield, and it reduced the maximum G-forces on the ship by more than 40% which ultimately make future Orion landings easier and safer for astronauts. Everything seemed to go well with a smashdown, which um, NASA Administrator Bill Nelson called the ultimate test before we put astronauts on board. The next step is for spacecraft engineers at NASA to go through the launch, the data from the landing to make sure the capsule, especially the heat shield, held up well enough to be confident that astronauts in the Artemis II mission will be as safe as possible. So space analyst Lauren Forkis at Astro... Astrolytical says everyone is watching and it really had to prove itself. It had to travel around the moon and Orion had to come back to Earth safely before anyone would be willing to put humans aboard. So the astronaut Artemis 2 is soon. It, it's, it's planned for 2024 and that's going to be the first crewed launch of SLS and the first crewed flight of Orion. It'll carry four astronauts around the moon and back lasting 10 days to perform a final test of the life support systems of the capsule before what many consider to be the flagship mission of the Artemis program, Artemis 3, which is 2025. I didn't realize this is happening so soon. 2025 will is planned for the first two astronauts to land on the moon's surface since the Apollo missions. In, uh, and they'll land for just over six days, which will mm -hmm. also include the first woman ever to walk on the moon. And two of them will remain in lunar orbit. Well, I mean, say what you will about Buzz Aldrin, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but in total, the mission's intended to last about 30 days. So it's the first time wow. anyone set foot at the moon since 1972, which is when Apollo 17, the final Apollo flight. They so need to obviously, get for NASA's intensive lunar exploration plans. While this is happening, I have been hard at work doing some research while you guys have been doing this story. So oh, the, yeah. sh the ship that picked up this fucking thing is the USS Portland LPD-27. Now, there's been a USS Portland before, uh, but this is a new one. It's the second ship to honor its name, okay? Um, so this was, it, it just uh, left the keel, broke keel, left the dock or whatever um, a couple years ago. It's a brand new ship with an advanced laser system. Uh, 
and it costs well, lasers. Yeah, well, it costs one point six billion dollars. That's the ship that picked up this Artemis, and they're using like a, a sixteen millimeter camera. That's why I was just I was yeah. trying to figure out the deal. With them. I was like, why is this? Uh, but that's yeah. They need they need to get Elon Musk on board, if nothing else, to get superior video. Because if you had that video on a GoFundMe campaign, and you're like, we need to do this again, I'd be like, listen, that looks too homemade. <laughs> I don't trust you people to go to space. Well, maybe, maybe the USS Portland is using like hipster old camera equipment. It's just <laughs> oh, because it's por- retro. Of Portland, right? It's yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah, as a form of protest. It's got the sticker on the back saying "Keep LPD twenty seven weird." <laughs> <laughs> keep the mood. Keep space weird. <laughs> but I think uh, Dave, you might want to check the show notes because I just dropped something in that I think Mr. Musk might have been. Uh, your, your prayers have been answered. I think if you're looking for some high quality footage. You're definitely going to get it with the Dear Moon mission. Do you guys oh, know about I this? Oh, I saw that, and I, uh, <laughs> I already can't stand it. I can't stand what's happening. I, I thought these were somehow related, because this is also a 2023 mission, uh, but it's to send civilians to the moon, courtesy of SpaceX, and they've announced the crew members, which includes Steve Aoki. Dude, what is it? This looks <laughs> like they're programmed for diversity. I mean, it is, yeah, but also someone tweeted, this is the best thing ever. Uh, imagine being the person who has to... Who has to edit Steve Aoki's Wikipedia page to add the death on the moon section? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I mean, this Didn't, is crazy. Am I right in thinking that DN, the, the uh, celebrity DJ Steve Aoki is it first is first rich because he is an inheritor of Benny Hanna? It's like, is that true? I am I I, I feel like that. I, I I hope I'm not either making that up or mixing him up with a different Asian DJ and being incredibly racist here. But let me this, see Aoki Wiki. Let's see what we get from that. Um, this looks like the crew in a straight to streaming sci-fi movie, oh, like in totally. like a sci-fi horror. You know what I mean, like a Prometheus type ripoff yes. movie. Yes, um, sure. and it, if you correct. told me that Dev Joshi was the Indian guy in this one, I'd be like, I don't buy it. I see the flag there, but he's, he's that, that's the least Indian-looking dude I would ever send to space. This is uh, <laughs> the only two that look like astronauts are the backup crew. Hmm. It's really something. It yeah, horrible. The, you've got the, the, someone's got like the Deantward haircut, like the bangs that are just don't make sense. Um, you got a K-pop star. It's the whole thing is bonkers. And you're right. Steve Aoki's father is a former wrestler who started Benihana. Wow. <laughs> there we go. Wow. So there we go. He comes from Benihana money. Oh, yeah, but man, we will put the links to to all these things in the show notes if you want to take a look at. Uh, let's see what this. I want to see what the schedule for the Dear Moon project is. This is the Aoki. Um, this this whole the whole dear moon crew looks like they're they're different panelists on a conference on how to monetize your Vine channel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you told me these were also the people that invented that AI program you were excited about, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. They're the same team. The rocket they're taking is an NFT. I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so it's a, it, oh my god it's, it, when you go to the uh, schedule it says thanks to everyone who applied I'm like really you, you didn't read application Steve Aoki had to apply yeah it was open application it was it was blind it was it was judge blind he just had the best essay right <laughs> he just <laughs> well this is clearly just um, um, I mean either so they're all gonna perish in space or this is a money laundering thing right I mean this is it, a, the, the website just looks too like the font yeah this won't like, um, this, this like can't font happen have, this won't happen <laughs> it's mainly because of the font yeah because it looks like uh, like a college sweatshirt font right yeah it, it doesn't make any sense and for it to I be missed that grainy video already the grains of authenticity <laughs> yeah I, yeah, I'm still waiting for this to be announced as as a hoax. But um, yeah, this is a, a found footage horror film thing. This <laughs> is this is horrible. This is horrible. It's an outer space found footage horror film. Hmm. It's it's amazing. And if this beats the Artemis mission, to, yeah, I, it just doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, why um, not? Why wouldn't the fucking influencers beat NASA to space? And then that's the world we have to accept. <laughs> But you know, if it, let's see, hold on a second. Wait, I'm sorry. So it's not using, this is definitely unrelated to Artemis, correct? Based on the Wikipedia page, it looks like it is. I just can't believe, 
yeah, civilians are going to beat whatever. It could be awesome. And it could be just the thing to get everybody to stop being so anti space, which is a weird thing that's happened in the last five or 10 years. Like I think just because everybody, sorry, go ahead. The whole thing though, does reek of that. Was it Dave? How do you pronounce his name? David Guetta, David Guetta. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. The the video he made on the rooftop to help everyone through the pandemic and oh, and the God. Black Lives Matter protest. But yeah, I mean, maybe this is a great PR thing that's worth doing because um, I think just because of Elon's sort of third railness as a person, now now everybody is just weirdly anti space travel. It's like no 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 no, let's not like <laughs> throw out the baby with the bathwater. This well, for when they do land, let me tell you that there's a wonderful AI speech already whipped up. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Ladies funny. and gentlemen, I am your DJ, and I'm here to tell you that I've officially landed on the moon. That's right. I'm the first and only DJ on the moon and couldn't be more excited. <laughs> but let's be real. This moment is not about all of you. It's about me. I've worked hard to get to this point, and I deserve all the accolades and attention that come with it. So let's take a moment to celebrate my achievements and my greatness. After all, without me, none of this would have been possible. And as I look out at the lunar landscape, I can't help but feel like king of the world. So thank you. Thank you for letting me share this incredible moment with you. And let's all remember, without me, none of this would have been possible. Long live the DJ, the king of the moon. <laughs> you know, I, 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 would be, I would be worried about the AI replacing my job, except that it didn't have him step off and say, that's, that's dubstep for a man. <laughs> <laughs> and one giant leap for all mankind. If it had said that, I would be like, we're in trouble. But, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's one dub step for man. Yeah. <laughs> and a giant, a giant dub leap for a mankind. Giant womp womp for mankind. <laughs> Steve Aoki's going to be on the moon. It's just. Oh, and he's going to stay there. Yeah. Wow. We, we wish them all the best. Um, sure. This This could be a great thing. I mean, it'll be exciting. I'm going to be watching it. Like there's no way there's no way you're not watching that 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 launch, right? I'm yeah. I'm even watching it now and I was ignorant to ninety percent of the things we've spoken about so far. So I'm like, God damn it, my schedule is filling up with moon landings. I thought we were done with that. We'd moved on. Ireland never even got around to it and now we have some influencer lady on a ship with Elon Musk. I mean, I'm obviously <laughs> invested because we couldn't get anyone in the World Cup this year. So if we have yeah, them on but a you spaceship, could have Rhiannon. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> you can have Rhiannon with her Deant Wood haircut. Yep. Oh, that's moon. who has the Deant Wood one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's it. It really does look like a direct-to-video movie poster. Yeah, that's I can't. Uh, I can't handle. I mean, would you guys go to space? Because I was. I would always. My answer has always yeah. been an emphatic yes. But then I look at this and I'm like, I don't. I don't think I would do it with this crew. Like. <laughs> this, this bodes ill. You know what I mean? If they're like, Jesse, we have a spot, you know, um, there's there's your, like, you know, there's your seat next to the, uh, like, kimchi YouTuber, you know? I'd be like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know if I can, I, he does food reviews. I don't know. Especially when there's a, when there's a competing, the Artemis mission is sort of, contemporaneous with it and it just feels like you're in the uh like, yeah you're, yeah, you're so, in the so the Artemis' imp- plan is to have a permanent space station orbiting the moon and a permanent lunar base and these guys objective That's- is just to get likes yeah <laughs> <laughs> moon likes it's different moon space likes, likes. They were, yeah yeah brutal but yeah if you're just looking at the other rocket like if they're launching like a couple miles apart and you're just like comparing the two and you're like Oh no, we're the red shirt team, aren't we? We're we're the Star Trek people who don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that we're hope if something if God forbid something goes wrong, we're deleting this episode in in a year or two when this mission happens. Um, it's too on the nose though. It's too much sci-fi victim. Like yeah. uh, you know, uh yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. Not with those folks. No way. Nope. Nope. Uh, what else we got, guys? And then we should do a, uh, you know, we should uh, wrap around up and such. I don't know if the listeners can tell, but this episode was kind of thrown together last week. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can. I'll cut out. I'm cutting out this part. We're going to go straight into a story. I don't know if you can tell. 
Yeah, we're going to write this episode using AI. Have a random Irish person join with a very constricted and evidently limited knowledge of science. And that'll work out. Now let's wrap it up, seeing we haven't hit on anything topical or got him to say anything productive yet. Back to you in the studio. Let's all go yeah. to space together. If only you knew what this podcast always is. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah. nothing, there's nothing that is lacking here in any way. I, I was dusting off my shelf there as I came to join the call. I was like, oh, Richard Feynman's book. I read that. Or I got some science in me. Bill Bryson, A Brief History of Everything. For, oh, I got that. Oh, sure. yeah. Some science. And then, no, didn't need any of it, thankfully. No. It's, it's mostly about making fun of DJs on this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Using it's AI. what we do. On the heels of our exciting bin chickens that wash cane toads on last sure. week's episode, we got some more interesting bird news courtesy of a longtime listener and show sender inner Justin Broad. Uh, the world's heaviest flying bird uses plants to self-medicate, scientists say. So okay. taking drugs if you're feeling under the weather is old news for humans, but new research shows that the world's heaviest bird capable of flight could be the latest animal to use plants as a form of self-medication. Researchers from Madrid and Spain studied data on 619 droppings belonging to great bustards. Great bustards. Great bustards. <laughs> great bustard. It's, it's, it's a great bustard. It's a great bustard. And discovered that the two species of plants that were eaten more than any other foods in their diet had antiparasitic effects. Here we show that great bustards prefer to eat plants with chemical compounds with antiparasitic effects. Luis M. Bautista Sopilana a scientist at Madrid's National Museum of Natural Sciences and lead author said in a news release, found in parts of Europe, Africa, and Asia, great bustards are listed as, I can't not hear it in the Scottish <laughs> accent, no, yep. are listed as vulnerable on the International Union for Conservation it's of Nature's Vulnerable species. Yeah. <laughs> great there's bustards no way. are vulnerable. There's, there's well, no way that name, show, there's no way that that name didn't come from some guy just getting crapped on by a bird. They're like, what, this, what happened there? And like, that great big Bastard just crapped all over me. Like, That's it. It sticks. And you're like, it does. That's the name now. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I guess 70% of the world's population of this thing live on the Iberian Peninsula. And the study reveals that the great bustards ate an abundance of corn poppies and purple vipers bugloss. In humans, corn... This lead scientist coming home and there's just a bird banging his wife. (laughs) He has to name it. (laughs) What what name did you come up with for this? It's the Great Bustard. (laughs) No, but the great part sounds sarcastic. Like he's slow clapping as he walks in the room. Oh, that's just great. That's just great, bastard. Great. <laughs> uh, Why don't you take my car while you're at it? You're going to self-medicate uh, you... to deal with what you've done. <laughs> um. I'm so right. sorry. We lose listeners every time we do accents. I think we do. Yeah, we, there's like <laughs> listeners left, man. Me, me and Matt, the two people equipped to be doing a Scottish accent, didn't even really chime in much there. We just let you nope. just let you run <laughs> yourselves out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, run ourselves like, out. Taking your fingernails into your palms and like... These <laughs> <laughs> yikes. Uh, so in humans, corn poppies have been used for their medicinal purposes as a sedative and pain relief, while purple vipers bogloss can be toxic if consumed. Through analysis of the plant extracts, researchers discovered that both have antiparasitic properties, which they tested against three common parasites in birds, which have long names I'm not going to pronounce. Both plants were highly effective in killing or inhibiting the effects of the protozoa and nematodes, according to the study. The purple vipers bogloss showed moderate defensive action against the fungi. The researchers noted that these plants were consumed, especially during mating season, which they believe was to negate the effects of increased exposure to parasites during that time. Are they talking about great busted STDs? Here? Mm-hmm. I, don't, uh, I don't know. Yeah, so great bustards are known as lek breeders, which means males gather at chosen sites to put on displays for the visiting females, who then choose a mate based on the show. The news release said, in theory, both sexes of great bustards... <laughs> can't uh might benefit from seeking out medicinal plants in the mating season when sexually transmitted oh literally yep yeah it shows we didn't read ahead obviously uh when sexually transmitted diseases are common while males that use plants with compounds active against diseases might appear more healthy vigorous and attractive to females wow oh man yeah so they self-medicate against stds with these plants during mating season 
Okay. That's pretty that's pretty great, Buster. That's pretty great. Yep. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. I'm I mean, not, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, it's just very interesting. Um Paul Rose, a zoologist and lecturer in animal behavior at the University of Exeter in England, said the findings show that great bustards are capable of determining what is good for them at a certain time and change their foraging behavior accordingly. He was not involved in the study. We normally associate self-medication in species like primates, so to see researchers studying endangered birds is brilliant, Rose told CNN. Uh, chimpanzees have been spotted capturing insects and applying them to their own wounds, as well as the wounds of others, possibly as a form of medication, while dolphins rub against certain kinds of corals to protect their skin from infection. That that whole article could just be called Birds Are Crap Doctors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, I question some of the... it, Like, making it sound like it's intent rather than just what they do or or you know generational chimpanzee knowledge or something that happens to work well either way even if it even if it like evolved this to be an instinct it's still pretty amazing that that instinct only kicks in when it senses that it has a parasite or around the time when it would normally get one to or when it's like, horny it's impressive or when it yeah it's just the horny <laughs> No matter what the correlation that causes them to want to do it, it's still pretty incredible. Right. But, I mean, we could say that about any aspect of instinct. You know, you can be like, that's like how they do they do those dances during mating season. And you could be like, that's crazy, you know? Um, I guess that's a good point. Like, I, I don't know if they're sitting around like, ah, oh, probably, like, it's I, I don't think the great bustards are thinking, like, I hope I don't get the bird clap. Time to eat this root. <laughs> you know? Well, it's like, well, what's your definition of thinking? Because it, it's, it sort of does in that the choice to do that would have been made in its brain. You know, th- then you're getting to the question of like whether non-human animals have consciousness at all. Like, I can't answer that. But it is processing in its brain that this is something it needs to do. Yes. You know, on, on what level it is, is... Correct. I, what I'm saying is, I don't know if it know. Like, I I'm not sure it knows why. But the right. the the imp- so I'm talking more about the way it's written. The implication is the implication in that last paragraph is implying that there's an understanding of why it's doing actions. <laughs> I love that you're unleashing Simon Sinek on birds. You're like, we need to start with why here. <laughs> well, no, it says uh, dolphins rub against certain kinds of corals to protect their skin from infection. Like, uh, okay. I mean, I, maybe it's a bad example because they're hyper-intelligent creatures. Um, I just, I'm not sure how much correlation there is versus just this is a thing. This is a thing I'm going to do. Um, well, I'm, I'm looking I'm, at. I'm messing up this explanation. I just, I, I, I think it's very cool. I'm just not sure it's um, it makes it sounds like such a conscious behavior from a like they're, they're scientific about it. Well, according to chat GPT, it's difficult to determine which animals have, <coughs> have consciousness as consciousness mm. is a complex and multifaceted phenomenon that's not fully understood by scientists. However, many researchers believe that certain animals such as primates, cetaceans, dolphins and whales and elephants may have consciousness due to their complex cognitive abilities and behaviors. It is also possible that other animals, such as dogs, cats, and birds, may also have some level of consciousness. Ultimately, the question of animal consciousness is an active area of research, and more studies are needed to fully understand this phenomenon, according to the AI, at least. So, yeah. I mean, birds, they're lumping in there as a possible. Who knows? Um, so I finally found a prompt that'll work, guys. I know that uh, we have to wrap things up, but... Um, sure. Optimus Prime, when greeting Eminem, says, <laughs> okay. 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 says, greetings, Eminem. I am Optimus Prime, leader of the Autobots. And Eminem uh, responds, uh, what's up, Prime? I'm Eminem, the king of rap. I'm not familiar with this <laughs> rap of which you speak, but I'm here to protect Earth and its inhabitants. Yeah, I hear you. I'm all about protecting the people, too. But you know what I'm really good at? What is it that you excel at, Eminem? I'm the master of the diss track. You mess with me, I'll lay down some sick rhymes and take you down. Uh, uh, I'm not sure what you mean by diss track or sick rhymes, but I do not seek conflict. 
I am a peaceful being. Oh, come on, Prime. Don't be so uptight. Let's have some fun and rap battle. I apologize, Eminem, but I'm not capable of rapping. As a Transformer, I got a network error. Fuck. Wow. <laughs> I, like, I, I like, couldn't do it. It like broke the... The whole thing went down. The whole internet went down when Optimus Prime wow, and Eminem. Wow, are so, so potent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they take I, no, it was like writing it out like they were about to rap battle. That's brutal. If I contributed nothing else to this scientific podcast, it was the addition of Eminem to bring us home. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, Wait, now, did, I, now I can't read my Seinfeld scene where Jerry and the crew meet Optimus Prime, I guess. We don't have time for that. <laughs> well, you got it. It's pretty yeah, good. I mean, you got it's kind of long. Sure. Yeah, well... <laughs> Um, <laughs> maybe on the Patreon. We'll do it on the Patreon. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, David, Dave, either one, uh, where can our listeners find you? Where can they follow you? Where can they come check out a show? What can they buy of yours? Um, you know, how can uh, they seek I'm pretty that? sure after this contribution, they'll be looking to avoid me. Uh, so that might be better <laughs> advice. But uh, no, should you no. be in desperate times of need, uh, anything David Nihil. David, strangely enough, uh, I did register that one consciously, uh, davidnihil.com. It's all there somewhere. And uh, apologies for the lack of scientific merit here. But to be honest, in a greedy sense of non-earned self-worth on my end, this really made up for being thrown out of science class at the age of 15 for a, an unexplainable incident. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we have we have no limits on can numbers here. We are can agnostic. So, <laughs> so f- find Dave there. Uh, you can find us probably science.com. That's where we uh, have all of our shows and also post links in the show notes to all the stories we cover. And that's also where our PayPal and Patreon links are. We'll have an extra bonus story for Patreon patrons after this. And also you can find us on Twitter at Probably Science, individually at Andy T. Wood, at, at Jesse Case, and at Matt Kirshen. ProbablyScience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, and stories you would like us to cover. And go and see Dave when he is on tour in a town near you, which is almost certainly <laughs> Yep. He'll <laughs> be out there. Because he's going to all the towns. All Listeners, the- we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.